I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello, I hope you're all doing well. Um, I Just before I share a little introduction to this week's episode. I want to thank those of you who have sent me a DM or an email to tell me how excited you are about um, the change in episodes. I'll be doing two episodes a week from January. It's really motivating and I really appreciate that you've taken the time to send me an email or a DM. It's really nice, so thank you. And also those of you who have taken the time to rate the podcast on Spotify and iTunes. It's so nice seeing those ratings go up and it's really important for the podcast it helps me gain the podcast get more exposure which in turn um make sure that these all these amazing birth stories are heard by the right audience so thank you so much for that I know it takes it's a conscious effort to do it but it really matters to me and the podcast and um also listeners because then the people who need to hear your stories get to hear them And lastly, but certainly not least, those of you who have signed up to Acast Plus, which I will link in the show notes here, basically basically gives you access to each episode um, ad-free. And also it's just a little nod to the podcast to help me keep it afloat, uh, basically, for five euro a month. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. To talk about this week's episode, I share my chat with Ruth, who talks me through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little girl. So Ruth was in three different hospitals. She was in a hospital in Japan, in the UK, and then in Ireland. So she found out she was pregnant in Japan. She moved to the UK and then ended up living in Ireland. And so because she went into the Irish system at about 22 weeks, and for some reason she was considered high risk. So she was seen quite a lot. She also um, got COVID during her during the final stages, well, the final trimester of her pregnancy as well. Um, so although she did have, she would have liked a home birth, but at that stage, um, if you had COVID throughout your pregnancy, you couldn't have a home birth through the HSE. 
She was supported by some amazing women throughout her both her pregnancy and birth experience. So I will let her. So you, in this episode, you'll hear the three the three women that she mentions, and um, I think it's really really. I love when I hear that women on at their first baby really invest in themselves as well as their partner in um the unknown. So it's it's just a brand new experience, and I think. It's really, it's really, it's a really kind thing to do for yourself to spend that time um, researching, uh, speaking to the right people. And also there's financial restrictions. It's, it can be really hard to fork over that money. But if you can, it's definitely something that you um, should do in preparation for labour and the birth of your baby. So I, I love this episode. I, I also remember to have a listen at the very end when Ruth shares a little another little part of her journey at the breastfeeding aspect of her of being a mother so enjoy I will chat to you next week with a new episode and I hope you are all well and coping well with all the sickness out there chat to you soon okay so Ruth you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast delighted to sit down and have this chat with you thank you really nice to be here good to finally be the person I think I've listened to so many so it's nice to be the person who can share mine as well yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah. Do you want to give us a little introduction to you and your family and then we'll get stuck in? Yeah, um, so obviously I'm Ruth. I'm married to Will, who I met when I was living in the UK. And we have one daughter, Evelyn, who is coming up nine months uh, this month. So yeah, good fun, just the three of us. And we're back living in Dublin now. So, so let's yeah. talk about conception. Was your pregnancy planned and how did you find out and feel in those early days? So it was and it wasn't. Uh, we were one of those couples. We were due to get married in 2020. Um, okay. At the time, we were living in Singapore. So our plan was kind of to get married, move back to either Ireland or the UK, um, and then obviously plan to have a family then. Mm-hmm. COVID, obviously, the other plans. Uh, so our wedding was postponed initially to 2021 and then 2022. So we kind of thought we'd wait and see what happens. And then when we did postpone the second time, we thought, no, let's give it a go. Um, we tried for quite a few months and nothing happened. And then we thought, no, we'll wait till after the wedding again. Um, and then when we, in the meantime, had also planned to leave Singapore and move back um, to the UK. And it was when I woke up one morning, we were midway through packing to leave. And I wasn't even late. And I knew I had a pregnancy test left from the months of trying. And I just had a really weird feeling. Did a test and instantly it came up positive. Mm-hmm. So it was a really nice surprise. Um, so both yes and no to being planned. <laughs> a really uh, nice surprise, obviously. And sorry, what triggered you to take that test? Just I had this feeling. Okay. Um, I had no symptoms. I just kind of thought, I've got one test left. I'm not exactly going to pack it up and ship one pregnancy test and bring it back with me to the UK or Ireland. So I'll use it and see. There's no harm. And... I think one of the things I always laugh about to this day, I rang uh, my husband, Will, for whatever reason and told him on the phone because I was so stunned. Uh, so it's <laughs> be my next question. Work. How did you share the news? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I think I just rang him and I was like, I'm pregnant. And yeah, I think he was in work kind of saying like, are you sure? Because I mean, both of us always thought you had to go and like, go to a GP and get it confirmed. Um, but I called over there. You have to you go straight to a gynecologist. So I called. And she was like, no, if it says you're pregnant, you're pregnant. So, you know, once you move back, you can get things started. Um, so we did actually have an early scan there in the end because I was at the maybe the six week mark. Um, but yeah, so she kind of just said no, like there's no 
we don't do it that way. We just assume you are pregnant. So you were coming home with a completely different mindset then to what you had originally planned, I suppose. You were coming home to yeah. a different so, I mean, I had just like I had just signed started a new job. Um and obviously then that I had to tell them. Um I did wait until things were kind of very confirmed and a little bit further along. But I had, you know, spent weeks talking with them and signed and I was all kind of packing up and a few weeks later and it's it's not necessarily a position I wanted to put any company in. Obviously you can't plan these things and you can't time mm-hmm. them. But yeah. So it was a very different way to come home than knowing I was pregnant and starting this new job and we were moving countries. So a lot oh, of work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how how was that transition then? And and when did you start to go to your appointments and yeah, I suppose So we did things. we made it slightly more complicated for ourselves. Uh, we moved back to the UK initially. Uh, we signed a lease for a rental over there and then my husband decided he would take a job in Ireland. So I started all my appointments. The initial early scan was in Singapore. Then I was with the NHS in the UK for a few weeks. And then um, I transferred over here. So it was kind of interesting to get a very different perspective from each of them. Yeah. I mean, Singapore, they didn't read. They knew I wasn't going to be there. So they didn't talk about any of the later stage aspects of things. Um, NHS, I was straight into a midwives clinic and it was all very relaxed. Um, and then obviously Ireland, it was straight in. And because I was listed as a kind of a late entry they put me down as kind of a risk in a consultant clinic for whatever reason I don't really understand it so how many weeks then were you when you came home I think I was 22 so I mean I had the whole NHS booklet I had all the Singapore scans um but they almost seemed suspicious of the fact that I was coming in so late even though it was very easily explained and there was no there was no reason for you to be high risk there was they weren't monitoring you for anything no there was nothing okay yeah so uh, I suppose when you got home at 22 weeks did you start looking at preparation then so attending classes or had you thought about that so I'd started before I at the very beginning and we still laugh about this when I found out I was pregnant I thought I want an epidural from the head down like I don't want to know what's going on (laughs) Um, I you know, obviously I'd seen the films, I'd heard the horror stories. I didn't want to know what was going on. And it was actually my sister-in-law, she's had she has two kids. And she said the first she did nothing and it was a horrible experience. And she learned from that and she prepared a lot for her second, which was a much nicer experience. And she recommended I start with the hypnobirthing um book and just read it and see. Um obviously I knew nothing about it. So I bought the book and I think I was hooked on that mm-hmm. almost instantly. Um, and then another friend of mine had done um, yoga with, you know, Yoni Hearts Club, Craig Wigley. Mm-hmm. So she recommended I go to that. And obviously there's a really nice chat element with that before and after the class. So again, I got more insight in from that. So by the time I came home, um, I had those two things kind of behind me. Um, and then we decided that we do uh, the optimal positioning course with Pam oh, and yeah. Davis as well. Um, and I had hoped for a home birth so I was looking at that um but then I got COVID at I think 29 weeks and again that instantly takes you off the HSE scheme mm. um although the midwife who I was booked in with it was um Ruth Banks didn't really understand that either um so once I knew I was the consultant wouldn't really sign me off for home birth um so at that point then we decided antenatal classes just so I could know 
what their policies were and what I was going to be facing into. You had some amazing people supporting you. Yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, incredible people. So do you want to talk us through then the your final trimester and the last few weeks of your pregnancy? Yeah, I suppose because I because I'd had COVID and it was at that really um, unknown time. I'd had the, the booster shot, but they put me on that um, kind of very accelerated. I don't know how you describe it, but I had blood thinners. I had weekly ECGs and I had weekly scans to check mm-hmm. her because they were being, I think, really, really cautious. They, they changed all the advice, I think, a week or two after. Yeah. Um, mainly, I think, because they ran out of blood thinning and they realized they could probably screen it out and do some questions. Um, so that kind of, it kind of tainted us slightly because I'm once a week for a good day, waiting around for every single, you have to wait around, obviously you can't book in for things like the ECG. Is it, is it that what I mean, the trace, the ECG? Yeah. Um, so that made it quite difficult. But then I, obviously doing the yoga, I was good. There was other people in that class who were in similar positions and we were all kind of talking to each other about what we'd heard from different maternity hospitals and we were each getting different advice. So it was a nice way in that to kind of, to realize I wasn't alone in it, but also to know that, yeah, that they were being extra cautious with me and there was no real need for it. It was okay. And the advice was changing all the time and that if you were boosted, it would be fine in the end. Um, so I kind of did try to put it behind me and just focus on building up to the end of it. Um, but the last trimester as well, I think because of COVID, I had pelvic girdle pain before um, and they said some physios had seen like that be accelerated by COVID. Okay. So the last few weeks, I couldn't really walk much. Um, I tried to stay as active as I could, but I think it the last trimester I found really, really tough. So Before when it came to you, you had um, cons- was consultant-led? Yeah. yeah. So it, that, in, that in itself is another, like, we're still baffled by this as well. I had wanted to go on the domino scheme and the consultant had signed me off for that because I got COVID, you get instantly transferred back to the consultant scheme. Okay. Um, and then she... I think at 36 weeks allowed me to go back onto the midwife scheme um but then this is slightly jumping ahead when I went in for my 39 week appointment I had called the day before to say what I thought where my water is trickling and the midwife on the phone said no um but when I went in for the 39 week appointment the next day uh when I ran into the desk they said no you're back on the consultant scheme even though I was due to see a midwife um, so they did eventually put me back on a midwife scheme, but then when they realised it was my waters, I got transferred back over again over to the consultant site. Okay. So who did you, who were you able to discuss your birth preferences with? Like, who did you, did you have that conversation with anybody? Um, in the hospital, like, did anyone know what you, what you, what you, yeah, what so you I had it yeah. with, the cons- with the consultant. Um, she knew my, my wish for a home birth and she was, not that she was against it, but she, use some phrases that I would never publicly say again because it was a really horrible um she wasn't very nice about it okay um but I did go through my birth plan with a midwife in one of the appointments when I was on that scheme um and she had taken a copy of everything and she was really really lovely about the whole thing so she had that on file um but I don't know where I mean we gave them in on the day that I was actually in labor so I couldn't tell you who actually had a copy in the end 
do you want to talk us through your first signs of labor or I suppose actually from yeah around the 39 week mark is when you started seeing things yeah so I think it was the the Sunday before so 38 plus five I think um that was when I thought my water had started to trickle quite late that night and that day I'd done what everyone talks about you know you start frantically cleaning and preparing and getting things done um and I had had plans to go out with my parents and aunt and uncle that day with my husband as well and I kind of thought let's just go nothing's I don't feel anything and the waters hadn't gone at that stage um but I had a feeling that something was coming so that night they did go and I called the coom on the Monday morning and they said no you know to keep an eye if it increases in quantity or changes in any way then yeah do come in but it doesn't sound like it's your waters um and I had the odd kind of back spasm or like a small back tinge but nothing too obvious it wasn't I could go about my day I still went to the gym um I went out for coffee and stuff on the Monday and I was in so much denial I think that it was coming by Tuesday that I went to my appointment without my labor bag or anything um <laughs> and just went in and thought no this is fine it's just an appointment I'll be home after uh but obviously once they realized it was my waters um I think as we all know that they were very uh they're very risk averse and they knew the times that things have been leaking for because it wasn't the big gush that people talk about um so they were very much so they passed me obviously back to the consultant room I was with one of the reg um doctors who kind of just said like not discussing it just said, we'll send you upstairs you'll go on the antibiotics you know we'll do the the test to see if uh um, you have strap B and we'll put you on syntocin and we'll break your hindwaters. Um, so it was all guns blazing all at once. Um, and then I was on my own, obviously, at this stage. I rang my husband. He came in and we went upstairs and I said, I don't want to do all these, these things. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll take the antibiotics because I feel they were kind of, they were scaring me into it. Um, even though I had actually tested negative for it, I didn't want to put me or what was sent to be my daughter at risk um but then I did have quite a battle with them I had different doctors coming in and saying obviously your body's not going into labor can we break your waters and I kept saying no and they kept coming in and giving me different facts um I couldn't even tell you what they were trying to say but I know one of the regs when he left I said I prefer not to speak with him again and he came back in and apologized but then kept going of you're asking for an emergency c-section if you don't agree to us um bringing on your labor so it wasn't and that was I think that was the first time my husband had seen the pressure that can be put on mm-hmm. women for different things obviously there hasn't been any appointments in Ireland um so we just kept kind of arguing it back and then I we went outside for a walk so they let me go out between the the antibiotic um drips and I actually called Claire Quigley um and spoke with her and she was I mean just so so kind so helpful I kind of calmed me down on putting things in perspective and kind of realizing I did actually have a choice in what was going on um so we went back upstairs after that phone call and chatted with the one of the midwives and my own consultant came in as well at that stage we said if nothing had happened by I think it was four o'clock they could then break my waters um but no syntocin so she said that that was fine um and they would give me some time then 
to see what happened. Uh, so she checked me before they, she asked her, she checked me actually, before they broke my waters, said everything was favourable, it was all looking good. Um, I think I was already maybe one centimetre. Um, so she broke my waters and I think the labour did start pretty quickly after that. Um, because they obviously, they, I was straight into a delivery suite then because they've broken my waters. Um, How were you feeling then? Were you feeling... Probably it was because I was going to ask you, did you have anyone yeah. to, to discuss this with support wise? Because that's a lot to take on when you um, when you're kind of saying no to what they're advising um, yeah. and you're, you know, you, you don't want you never want to be in a position where you have to put a bit of a fight. You hate to think of anyone going into labour in, in any sort of situation and not being in like a relaxed state or having to put up any sort of fight. So how did you feel when you were moved on then to into the delivery suite and you were that three centimetres and labour was was progressing or starting? Did you feel relieved and that, OK, this is this is happening now, I can settle into this or how did you feel? I was I think I was excited, but I was also still questioning my own decisions. Um, because obviously I don't I'm not a medical expert and I don't know everything um, about what's going on and all the different risks and obviously they have seen some of the worst case scenarios but they've also seen the best case scenarios which they're not really going to tell you about so I was I mean I was really really excited I never you know I talked about earlier wanting an epidural from the head down but I went into this in such a different mindset of this is my own experience and I want to make sure this is what I want it to be as much as I can Um, but I definitely did still question things and I was lucky in having Will because he'd known and he kind of kept up with my research into different things as I went and my own references so I I was I mean lucky is probably I don't know if it's the right word but he understood where I was coming from um, and he was really good in reassuring me that we were making the right decisions and physically how did you feel how did the surges feel did they feel manageable at the beginning, totally manageable. Um, I had a TENS machine um, at the beginning. And I think I just put on the gentle birth app. Um, and I went into the bathroom for a while on my own. Um, and they gave me a ball, so I was sitting on that for a while. And it was manageable, but everything was in my back. Um, and I think at maybe two hours in, into that, another consultant came in. Um, it was a man. And he basically said to me that they weren't real contractions <laughs> um, and that I should start on the syntocin. Even though you could see, because I was obviously on a trace, um, I was lucky to get a, the wireless one so I could move around. But you could see that there were contractions. And he said, no, like you need to feel it in your stomach, which obviously, as everyone knows, is not the case. Um, so he kept pushing for the syntocin drip and we kind of again did argue back and got more time to let things progress more but ultimately I did end up on syntocin um, probably an hour later so they were definitely manageable until that point how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But once I was on the and I remember a midwife coming down to me. There was two women in the room at this point, two midwives. Um, and they were about to change shift and they just put in the syntocin. And she said, like, I remember coming down to my eye level and just saying, it's about to get really intense. You know, you can totally do this, but it is going to be intense. Um, and then she changed shift. And I mean, she was right. It's, mm. it's not, I don't really remember the, I wouldn't, I mean, it is pain, but the intensity of it but the syntocin and because it was in my back I remember it's going down my legs and being totally unbearable at some points so did you, did you find you really had to tap into the hypnobirthing did you find that effective yeah and I mean I had the gas in there as well on the tens um and I found because again because Will had known I wanted to use breathing Every time I went off track, he would kind of say, no, come back in. And the midwife that had come in um, on the sh- shift change was, again, she had read through all my bands and just kind of said, no, you, you can do this. I remember to breathe. And she would come in every so often if I was starting to kind of go off track and suggest maybe like she'd bring over a breathing stool or, or she'd lay down a mat and say, try something else and say, you know, take your okay. mind off and go to a different place. So she was really, really, really helpful. So, um, yeah, tell me what happened then. Tell me how the next few hours looked for you. So the syntocin, I think, went in maybe at seven or half seven. Um, and a lot of that is blur. Um, I think I heavily used the gas in air. Yeah. <laughs> I the point that it was uh, gone. But I asked them to take out the syntocin a few hours, I think maybe 11. 
yeah. um, because I was clearly an established labor. I didn't need it anymore. Um, and I was progressing. Um, and I had said, I still laugh at this, that I didn't want any ex- um, internal exams and I was adamant about it. But I think because I was losing kind of power and being able to stand on my legs, I then was almost begging for one because I, in my head, I kept saying, if I know how far I am, I know how much, how long is left, even yeah. though, again, it's not the case. I know. <laughs> I was the same with Oliver. I was like, why can't you check me every five minutes? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> I know. I kept being like, no, if she checks me out, I couldn't be an hour left and I can totally do an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's a poor woman. And she kept saying, like, if I check you, I can tell you, but it's not going to change how long this process is. Um, so it was a long I mean, that was quite, it was really, really intense. But once I took out the Sintosin, um, I, again, I was a bit more free because I didn't have the, the drip attached. Um, I still had to go back every four hours for the um, strep B antibiotic. But I think then I transitioned at about 1 a.m. Um, Tell me how you know that. How did you feel? I don't actually know. I think I did say I did say some things like I don't want a family anymore or oh. you know can I go home now like I'm done yeah, yeah, yeah. finished <laughs> but I don't think there was apart from what I said there wasn't too much of like a mental change in me I don't know okay like Will said he wouldn't have known because I was kind of making I think because I was a high on the gas and I was making some jokes as I went anyway um but I had felt the urge to kind of bear down before that and I thought I was I thought I transitioned earlier and obviously I hadn't. Um, but because it was all back labor, said you're going to feel it, you know, just go with what your body wants you to do. Um, but the midwife, again, she knew all the preferences when I got to the stage of pushing. Um, and she was very gentle about it because when I did reach the stage, she said, oh, you should maybe lean over the back of the bed on your knees. And I think obviously at that point that I thought, okay, she knows that it's, imminent yeah um and will still laughs about this he i don't think he quite realized how fast it could be from that stage to him it felt like seconds because then suddenly we had a baby obviously for me it wasn't seconds <laughs> it was a long time um i think i was pushing for maybe 40 minutes or 45 minutes so okay um but yeah we didn't know what we were having um and because it was just us and this midwife in the room. She was so just, she let us just be. And even when it came to managing the actual delivery, she had the warm compress, but she was just kind of just a silent support um, and just said, go with what your body wants you to do. And did you feel your body doing what it wanted to do naturally? Did you feel that? Yeah. Like there was nothing like, I had no control of what my body was doing. It was just doing what it needed to do. And I just went with it. And there's nothing you can do once you're in that position. You have to just, and it's the best thing for us is just to let, us, let it go. And do you feel the hypnobirthing kind of enabled you to do that? To just not feel, did you feel fear? Uh, no. And that's one of the things I think that our friends who are getting pregnant now, that Obviously, everyone has their own journey, but I do say mm. that I went in really fearful and I came out of this a totally different mindset on what labor could be. Yes. I think for hypnobirthing, it's not necessarily just the breathing. It's actually un- like we're not taught the mechanics of labor or pregnancy or anything growing up. So then you get pregnant mm. and you kind of think, oh, my God, I have to push 
a baby I was like how am I going to do this mm. but once you like I listen to so many birth stories um which is why I really like it's really nice to be able to share mine because it helps so much in realizing that it's something women do every day and it's mm-hmm. it's fine um it's not something I do every day but mm-hmm. it's fine once you get to it <laughs> so when when you gave birth to her did she come up through your legs and onto your chest yeah I think because we didn't know what she was we both kind of looked down and we knew that if it was a girl people have said you might struggle to realize it's a girl yes uh, which we definitely did uh, but then she was put straight on my chest I was turned around obviously um she was put straight up and we had uh, all the kind of delayed core clamping um everything she was again just left it was still just the one midwife with us um and the placenta was all it was left I, I didn't have any managed delivery of that so that was another mm-hmm. nice part of it but again yeah. it was just really relaxed um but once the cord was cut uh she I wanted to breastfeed so she was put up um she managed to crawl her way up and unfortunately she actually went blue twice okay um so the emergency button was called so at that point we did have the room filled with I think like 20 people um came in so that obviously was quite uh scary um and the first time obviously it happened like we could we could see her still she was just over to our, our my left I think and they had the mask there but I don't think they had to use it they were just rubbing her um but they put her back on then to try and get her to feed again and she went blue again um I mean there's there's nothing obviously in my notes because she was then listed as a separate human um but we think it's just because the latch wasn't good and this part I think I always this is one of my biggest I can't regret it but it's the, the part I kind of don't want to think about too much rather than trying to address the latch a consultant just gave her a bottle um and that was her first feed which I find really hard to think about but obviously because she'd gone blue and I didn't know why I would have done anything at the time um but the midwife said I did the reflections call and she did say it was probably due to the latch and that someone should have come in and just helped her latch properly um and put her back on my skin but instead they got her dressed because they thought that she was cold so that I think because I don't really know what happened I find that whole part of it a little bit hard to process and they don't have a they don't have a cause apart from the latch that they they just have it down to that yeah yeah so when you got her back into your arms was it how long was the time scale there I'm not sure because that consultant she did the whole feed like she didn't even give us the bottle um which I don't understand why she did that if she needed a bottle feed one of us could have done it um so I'm not entirely sure so when you did get her back into your arms how did you feel then I mean just at the time relieved she was okay Mm-hmm. Um, and just happy um, I had had a second degree tear so I had been obviously stitched up and I was ready to go with her um, and I think they did give us then more time maybe because of what had happened I'm not sure um, yeah. but it, it was just nice then to just have her and because the room had been so full everyone had left then um, and it was back to just being I think they gave the three of us just some time then to kind of relax back into things 
yeah, and let that just feeling flow through your body again, because I'm sure it was interrupted for yeah. a short time. Yeah. yeah. So um, when you went back down to the labour ward then, how did you feel? Did you, you know, you're there with a, a new baby? How did you feel? <laughs> I think the same that everyone feels. You kind of think, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> so when's everyone coming to help me? <laughs> just, I mean, they just leave you. Um, no, I felt, I think I ended up having to get an anti-sickness injection on the ward. Um, so I didn't feel that great. But because I had had her, I think I had her at half two in the morning. Um, and we weren't on the labor or the, the ward until maybe half seven or eight. So my husband didn't have to go home. He was allowed to stay then, obviously, for the day. Oh, great, yeah. So it meant I, I did send him home to have a sleep um, and a shower. But it meant I wasn't fully um, alone then that day but obviously because I wanted to try and breastfeed and wasn't getting off the best start there really isn't the support in there to help you so I mean I you are clueless I didn't know what I was doing um I think I've heard other people say this that student midwives are the most helpful and the more kind of mature midwives tend to just think just get the baby's hungry give them a bottle and move on so that was definitely the experience I had um but I thought I mean I think the the COVID restrictions of no visitors apart from partners, I think that's something that should stay because I found the word was so calm. Um, you know, apart from partners, it was just women and newborns. And all of us kind of laughing at each other, like not laughing at each other, but laughing at, you know, one baby would cry and the next would start to cry and people didn't know what they were doing and everyone was trying to figure it out. So it was nice in that sense to just have a bit of calm. And how did you feel in terms of your levels of anxiety with your daughter sleeping? Were you were you watching her a lot, considering what happened? Yeah, and I think I did. Yeah. I woke up maybe I don't know how definitely twice, if not more, in a panic that she wasn't breathing, um, and she kind of jumped straight over. Um, she was obviously she was swaddled up, and she was in beside me, and I'd been asleep as well. But it was yeah, I was really really paranoid that she wasn't breathing. And how did your breastfeeding journey go? It's mixed. Like I am still I'm combination feeding now, but yeah. I've never really got to the point where I could exclusively breastfeed um, because they were constantly topping her up. And I was trying to breastfeed and she's not, I mean, she doesn't have a huge appetite. She eats a lot of food, but she's always been a grazer. Um, so the public health nurse and like at home was kind of on about her weight, et cetera, as well. They were always advocating for top ups rather than ever trying to kind of look at her latch or anything else. Um, and it took quite a few weeks, if not months, for me to point out because she has a really strong lip tie. Yeah, um, Eva does too. Yeah. And I think that possibly looks a part of the latch, but they, once they did acknowledge it was there, they kind of said, we don't really know what to do. So, you know, it's up to you to go and find a pediatric dentist with all this suggested. Um, so breastfeeding, I mean, it has gone as well as it can, considering. Um, and I'm, going, I'm due to go back to work next month, so I have started to introduce more bottles. Um, but I do want to keep up kind of for as mm. long as I can, even if it's just a morning feed. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it goes. See what, I mean, she kind of weaned, she got, she, as every child this winter, she's been on off with different viruses. Um so she's kind of sometimes taken easy to a bottle and then sometimes she'll come back to me. 
And yeah. how did you recover physically after your after your stitches? How did you feel? Um, it's probably the part that I thought least about, I think, as everyone does. And I remember going for, I think, the first few walks we lived beside the park and just thinking, oh, my God, how can I not walk around the park, like, even yeah. slowly? I found that really frustrating because I had gone from being quite active and I was obviously in the gym the day before I had her um, to not being able to do anything. But other friends of mine who had babies just said, just get through the first six weeks and you'll notice a huge change in how you feel physically. Yeah. Um, and it will improve. So I think it was just a case of being really patient. Um, and I booked in with Women's Health Dublin. So I knew that kind of working towards that point where I knew I was going to be checked and she would either say, wait another while or you can get back to doing more activity but I think within the first two weeks there's a big change in how you feel and then it's just a bit more gradual after that yeah it can be really shocking if you're if you're because uh, that's not something that we obviously think about especially no. first time around um those early weeks and you mentioned your birth reflections so uh did you find them beneficial and what was the reason can I ask that you decided to uh go ahead with the birth reflection services I wanted to go out because because I kind of had those not arguments but debate different doctors along the way. Um, just to see kind of I want to know my notes and what they would think of from the other side of someone saying no to different yeah. issues. Um, obviously also to see if they had any more information on why she went blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it was really really helpful. I found it a little bit like when we started the call. One of the first things she said to me was, "You know, you're one of the minority. Congratulations on pushing your baby out." because I think there are so many C-sections for first-time mums, which is like, it's a strange way to open a call. Yeah. Um, and it's a sad truth that I'm, well, she, but she, you know, one of their minority. Um, but she was really, really useful. I mean, she was quite disappointed in the lack of breastfeeding support and the latch issue that potentially causes blue um, episode. And her view is kind of that, you know, she said it's not necessarily a complaint complaint but to the more people that can make complaints about this type of thing they will change it because until then no one is going to do anything mm. um and so i think that was probably the biggest thing that we focused on in the call and i think the other thing that she talked about was the way they delivered different information to me and kind of and i've heard a lot of people on different stories that you share talk about this that information is delivered as this is what will happen next not can we discuss what will happen next and yeah. you know telling me things like it's going to end up in an emergency section is not the way to talk to someone who is in early labor um so again she wants like she kind of she basically asked would i submit complaints on both of those because the more again the more people that do it the better for them yeah Thank you. Thank you so much. That was lovely. Thank you so much. No, thank you. So nice. I've listened to so many. I still listen to them now. So it's so nice to, um, I mean, I was talking to Will before this and he kind of said, it's nice you listen to so many. And even on the day I was in labour, I think I was listening Pam's, I think I come out that day. Oh yeah, cool. I was listening to that that morning. So it is, you know, in any way that anyone's story can help. I think you pick up pieces of information from stories as you go. Yeah, Absolutely. In the introduction of this episode, I mentioned that Ruth sent me on a piece via WhatsApp, a little audio piece, which I have included um, just after this. And it's a surrounding breastfeeding. So the support that she didn't necessarily have in the hospital. We all know they're so busy in the hospital. Lactation consultants are spread really thinly. They can't see everybody. 
and she was waiting quite a quite a while to hear back from the hospital, um, a long time actually, and so she could she could speak to a lactation consultant, and we know that's a luxury in this day and age when everything costs so much money. So, what came into my head was instead of family and friends buying the baby grows and you know really close friends buying all those little bits and pieces, another way that you could maybe ask them to help out is throw a few bob in your Revolut, have a kitty of, I don't know, postnatal classes that you want to attend. And instead of going and spending, spending 20, 30, 40 euro on bits and pieces that baby will obviously look gorgeous in, maybe we should have those little vaults in our Revolut that we use um, as ways that people can pitch in a couple of bob for the postnatal care. Um, so anyway, that was just in my head. Thanks for sending this in. I think it's important to hear. And as I said earlier, uh, I'll chat to you all next week. It's just really to add that with breastfeeding, um, and I'm kind of thinking more about my journey in recent weeks, that when I was discharged, um, we looked at my notes when I got home and it said that I was exclusively breastfeeding. And this was in spite of the fact that they were pushing top-ups. I mean, they were giving top-ups when I was sleeping um, with my consent, but I think that was partly down to me not knowing kind of how breastfeeding worked and that those first few days and weeks are so intense and babies kind of putting in their orders um, for more milk. Um, and even though it said I was supposed to be breastfeeding with the bottles, um, there was also a referral in those discharge notes for me to be seen by a lactation consultant in the hospital. Um, but I think by day three or four, when we were at home, and obviously that's when everyone hits that hormone drop, and, you know, I kind of felt that things weren't going very well, and I was, you know, wanting to give up um, breastfeeding, um, that we decided we'd get someone in because we hadn't heard from the hospital yet. Um, so we got a friend of a friend, she's a midwife, and she had just completed lactation consultant training. And she came over, and I think within five minutes of her being in the house with us, uh, of showing us a really simple way to get Evelyn to latch properly, um, that almost instantly took away the pain that I was experiencing with breastfeeding, which I now know isn't normal, um, but also gave me the confidence to keep going with it. And I think without that, I would have given up at that stage. And I think I say that because probably 10 days after that, that's when I got the call from the lactation consultant in the hospital. Um, and she said she was following up on the recommendation that I come in um, and had I was I still breastfeeding was the first question um, and obviously I said yes and she said you know how's everything going and I said well fine but only because I got the private lactation consultants and I know that I'm in a really fortunate position to be able to have someone out to help me with that um, but I mean you're, you're kind of when you're pregnant you're surrounded by signs and when you have a baby saying breast is best but it really did highlight to me that, you know, if you want this to work, yes, you can do preparation, which, you know, I, in my own, kind of admitting myself, I didn't really appreciate how difficult breastfeeding can be. I know it so comes to some naturally and it really didn't for me. Um, but it is down to preparation and just having someone say, like that private lactation consultant telling me that I could do this and I was doing amazing, that was enough with the simple kind of the teachings on a latch, that was enough to give me the confidence to keep going. And I think without that, had I waited for the hospital consultants to get back to me, I 
wouldn't be in the position where I'm still combination feeding now. That would have been the end of my breastfeeding journey because I know myself I wouldn't have been able to keep going. Um, so I think just it's something I'll kind of carry with me if I do get lucky enough to be pregnant again. You know, breastfeeding is an incredibly challenging journey, um, but it's so worthwhile if you can persevere with it and if you do have the support around you um, to help with it. So that was just something to add on kind of you know, the question of how my breastfeeding journey is going. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 